I'm Nicola Dean and this is Safeguarding Matters with the Ancraft Trust. Hi everybody, I'm here today with my colleague Kimberly. Hi Kimberly. Hi Nicola. And we're here to discuss a seminar that we ran as part of our Safer Culture, Safer Sport campaign. Tell us all about the seminar, Kimberly. Yeah, so we um, invited Penny Briscoe and Claire Cunningham from the British Paralympic Association to come and talk to us um, about how they have embedded a really good culture um, with strong values and really person-centred culture within the British Paralympic Association and come along and talk to us and basically share their thoughts and how they've how they've made that happen really. Um, and Penny Briscoe is the Director of Sport for the British Paralympic Association and she was Paralympic GB chef de mission for Paris 2024, she will be, and she's got over 30 years experience in elite sport. She's held senior roles at over nine Olympic and Paralympic cycles, which is really very impressive. Wow. Um, yeah, she's been awarded an OBE for the work that she's done in sport as well. Um, so she really is, gave a really good insight into her experiences as well, which was great. And Claire Cunningham is the head of um, athlete services for the British Paralympic Association. And she was actually deputy chef de mission in Beijing for the Winter Paralympics um, earlier this year. And she has also got a long history in elite sport, having been a three times Paralympian um, winning gold and multiple silver medals. Um, in, in across two sports actually so she was involved in para swimming before moving into para triathlon so it was really great that they said they could come along and talk to us and help share um, their experiences um, and values and philosophy with us. Um, and it's part of a series of um, seminars that we've been running for the Safer Culture Safer Sport campaign and I think you're just going to tell us a little bit about the campaign um, and let the listeners know what it is we've been doing over the past year or so. Yeah, so we launched this campaign um, in May last year with the aim of raising awareness about the importance the impact culture can have on welfare, safety and well-being of everyone involved in sport. Um, we were just finding that a lot of the work we were doing and the conversations we were having with people, everything really linked back to like the culture of the organisation. And it just became such a key aspect that we thought, actually, we need to do a bit of more awareness raising with this and a bit more work on um, culture being the underpinning foundations of sort of all the other aspects and the impact that has on sort of safeguarding and well-being. So we had we've got three key strands, which was listen, learn and lead as part of the campaign. And um, over the year, we've done different seminars on each of those different foundations. And so we're coming to the end of the year, we're going to do the lead seminar. Um, and so that's what we've set up and what we did a few weeks ago. Yeah. And it was uh, um, very well attended, wasn't it? We knew that when we um, asked Penny and Claire to come to run a seminar, that there'd be a lot of interest because people are, a lot of people who know Penny from her work, they know Claire from her work, they know the BPA. So it was really well attended, wasn't it? And people, you could tell, were listening and really wanted to hear what they had to say um but yeah from your perspective why did Penny and Claire really jump to mind when you were thinking right let's do a session about um leading yeah obviously I knew we had this seminar coming up um to be planning for and I'd been working with the British Paralympic Association prior to them going out to the Paralympic Games um to 
for training for their staff and all the, the designated officers who were going to be out at, out at the games and been working with Claire quite closely on, on the build up to that. And I just found the more I was working and finding out um, about the organisation and the staff and their and their culture and the values, I just thought actually this is fantastic. They've really yeah. got a really good example here that a lot of others could um, get examples from, could learn from, could try and aspire to to be like. And then in chatting to Claire, I, I sort of ask, you know, this is great. Everything that you're showing me is is really um, good examples. Do you think um, is this? Do you think just sort of come about naturally by the the people? people in the organisation or, or has it actually been from the top? Has, it, has somebody really led this work? She goes, yeah, Penny has absolutely led this. Um, it has come from the top and that's the biggest difference. So I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could ask Penny? Very busy lady, um, you know, got a big important role with the British Paralympic Association. You know, it'd be great if we could contact her and just see if she is available to come and talk to us um, and Claire as well to come along and just share, basically share what they do I just found it really interesting when I then did speak to Penny before we set up the seminar everything she was telling me I thought this is this is great this is exactly what you know we want to share for people and um you know and it did encompass actually all the other aspects of the the campaign as well with the listening and the learning from past experience so it, it was a really good culmination of the year um to sort of round it up and it was great that they did spare the time to do it as well so that was fantastic yeah, we we're really, really, really pleased that they agreed to do it. Um, and what really struck me was both of them are so committed to creating a safer culture. So Penny started by talking about a mission and values. And most people listening will be able to go to the website of their organisation and find the vision, the mission and the values. But what was really striking was that they actually lived them, didn't they? That they could give examples of putting this into practice. Yeah, I think you're right. There's so many organisations could say, yeah, on paper, we've got all this written down. We know our vision. But actually, I think what you can't help but notice when you talk to Claire and Penny is that it's just so genuine and lived. It, it's not just something on a paper document it's actually genuine I think Penny's achieved that from really leading it from the top from it actually being a real clear focus of hers and one thing I asked her um before the seminar you know was this a conscious decision of yours to sort of create this culture and she's like absolutely um and it, and it came from her previous experiences um that over the years she's evolved and um sort of the way she evolved in developing her sort of ideas of leading um so she had a very clear vision and she made sure everybody knew that I think that's as important as well is that she really brought everybody along on the journey with her all her staff and her team she talked about really valuing individuals and everybody's you know importance and she, she's really passionate about developing people as individuals and so taking everybody on the journey I think that's important that everybody feels part of it yeah, that really came through with Claire, didn't it? That Claire was on this journey. Claire was working with Penny. Claire completely um, fitted into it. So, and what really came through as well was, actually, we've all got our own culture, our own individual personal beliefs, our own individual personal um, views on things. Um, and that's okay, isn't it? That 
in an organisation, we're all going to be different. We're all going to come with different experiences. But what came through was we're all one team. And if we work together, we can really thrive, can't we? Yeah. And I think as an organisation, they're very much about um, valuing individuals and, and diversity and um and it's about finding that common ground and those common key core values. And I think for um, the British Paralympic Association, when they are out, for example, at the um, Para Games time, I think Claire mentioned it in the seminar, is actually they're, they're working with individuals, teams, um, coaches, athletes from other organisations who all have their own individual values as well and their own organisation's values, yet they're trying to pull everyone together for that point in time to be following the the Par- Par- British Paralympic Association's um, core values. So that's like an even like an extra layer of challenge. Yeah, actually, they managed to achieve that really well. And so it's not only within their organisation, they sort of had to um, bring people along that journey. They had to actually do it with all these other organisations and sports that they work with who have their very unique own identities and bring them along too. So that's, you know, just shows the strength of what that leadership and the strength of what those values and the commitments had in order to be able to do that. It's not an easy task. <laughs> no, it's like they had teams underneath the the bigger British Paralympic Association team, wasn't it? Yeah. So there was teams under team, under the team. Um, so um, how do you think, what's one of the key things that came for you about um, how they did it? like a practical thing that people could take away and think, oh, actually, we could do that. Yeah, so they did a lot of work with actually, so in terms of bringing everybody from all these other sports on the same page as them, really, they did a lot of work going out to those sports, Mm. you know, in the run-up to the games, um, using, and a lot of language, the language they used, um, and they basically started sort of, I guess, drip-feeding their values and their um, vision and mission sort of, really quite early on and and to get everybody on that journey with them really so that the time everybody was out of the games they kind of knew it all beforehand it wasn't like right now you're here this is how we want everybody to behave and act um but also the the language that they use so Claire talked about um their code of conduct the sort of athlete agreement and code of conduct I know it's just normally a big document you know often many people don't read it not necessarily that engaged with it it's kind of seen a bit negative um a whole list of things that you can't do so they really worked on reframing that into a positive light and they actually worked with individuals um and athletes in order to do that to really make it something that people felt um part of and i think that was when you read the language of it it's you can't help but just see how positive it is how the language is very genuinely caring and person-centered and i think that in itself is really important. I think that's had a big difference. And the fact they sort of collaboratively worked with individuals in order to make that with staff on their team as well as athletes. Um, and yeah, I think just the whole attitude, I think I remember, I remember Penny or Claire talking about sort of the first response to be a smile and for it to be positive, the real can-do attitude and that sort of welcoming um yeah philosophy I like it I'm 
Yeah, it really struck me, this code of conduct, because when you think of code of conduct, you think it's going to be dry. <clears throat> yeah, I've got one on the shelf. I'll just get that down. I think I've signed it. Yeah, I think I know what it is. That absolutely brought it to life and they called it a winning behaviours document. Yeah. So it was about behaviour that we want to see, things that we want to be looking at. This is how we're going to be at the games. And that is, like you say, a complete turnaround from a, you can't do this, you can't do that. If you do this, this will happen. Um, it, it was very positive, wasn't it? You know, it's yeah. winning behaviours. And in any organisation, we need to be looking at what is winning, what, what are winning behaviours? What do we need to see? You know, how do we know that people are living the vision, the mission, um, the values? This is your behaviour. We need to see this type of behaviour. Yeah, and there was a, an element in it I remember about almost, you know, if somebody has maybe done something that you're not happy with, it's almost actually like check in with them. Are they okay? Like you don't know what's behind that behaviour. Actually, just have that conversation and and just that aspect of it just shows that caring side of it. You know, check in, have that yeah. conversation. Um, yeah, really important. It was very like I think they use the language like in terms of I. So sort of I statements. Yeah, I've noticed this. Yeah. I've noticed that. I mean, all the time we're talking, I'm thinking this is such good safeguarding around, you know, I've noticed this. Can you tell me more about this? Um, and if you've got behaviours that you know that people are committed to and if they're not demonstrating them, I've noticed this. Are you OK? Um, you know, safeguarding is all about having conversations. And actually, what came through to me was Penny and Claire having conversations, having conversations with the staff and having conversations with the athletes themselves. So, you know, you, you may even mention the phrase person centered. Yeah. That's key to a safer organization where your organization really is the people in it. Um, we have policies and procedures to support our work. But the people of the organisation. Um, yeah, and I think that's something that you really get from Penny is that she really values that and she values the people that work with her. And she was talking about individuals' development, personal development. Um, and she was talking about, um, yeah, bringing them on the journey. And um, almost, did she say something about, you know, if one person comes back from a games having yeah. said they've had a really bad experience not even really bad but just anything that was a bad experience you know actually to her that was she'd take that sort of personally and go right how can I stop this ever happening again and what I think was really important about um her sort of thoughts of going into the games was actually it was all about how to make a positive experience yeah. it wasn't oh how are we going to get the most medals how we're going to have a positive experience and it was all about the experience and the well-being of of the athletes and she talked about the challenges obviously that came with covid and the environment that was going to be like out at the games being so different to any other ones and um she set two key priorities wasn't it about basically um positive environment and the health and well-being of the team that were out there and and i think that that in itself set the tone didn't it yeah. And this, you know, we talk about how to get feedback from people and we might do a questionnaire and you know, we might do a focus group. 
But then it's what are you going to do with the information? How are you going to learn from it? And to me, what came through was the, you know, BPA are learning constantly that it's what's happened in the previous games is underpinning what happens at the next games. And then this game then goes to the next game. So the learning is continuous, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that really um, struck me rather than it being, yeah, we've done the feedback. We've had it that some people weren't happy with this, but, you know, well, that's just the way it's going to be. No, actually, what we're going to do with this? Let's get a plan yeah. together and let's address this next time. Um, Absolutely. And it changes. So, yeah, COVID changed the plans, didn't it? Yeah. So they had to adapt rather than yeah. thinking, oh, you know, this is a set in stone plan. It's got to be um, adapt to the circumstances that you find yourself in. Um, and that's what we say about safeguarding. Again, you know, we could do a safeguarding policy and procedures one year. And actually, we might get some guidance. We might know about things that have happened in safeguarding. We've got to go back and we've got to review it. We can't just think, oh, you know, it's set in stone. So it felt to me like there was a constant review of um, plans and documents yeah. and ways of being. Really, the constant sort of desire to, to do better and improve wherever they can, wasn't there? Yeah. She talked about being credible. To be credible, you need to take action. So they did do a survey after the Games to, to see, you know, to be able to rate was it positive experience and they had a fantastic um feedback well firstly they had a fantastic response rate which yes in itself shows people's want and how they value actually being asked so that's great um but actually the results was also really positive and there was some feedback in there of things that could be better i think they talked about someone had maybe one of the feedbacks was um not everybody felt as celebrated as just the medalists afterwards yes. and that you know instantly that's already on their radar it's already something that they know what they're going to be planning for the future games that doesn't happen again because they don't want people to feel like that um and then she talked about um sometimes a comment can be so much more tangible than a score on a on a graph of feedback and so she's just really aware of these elements and, and how to then use them to make changes and I think she's had such a, a journey through sport herself Yes. And each of these learning points just all come together to help add it. And not just Penny, no, Claire as well. She's had a long career in sport, in different um, different sports and in different roles. All these things add to to what you can bring and share with others, which I think is really good. Yeah, I, I think it, lots of learnings for all of us. And, you know, when people... I keep bringing it back to safeguarding, but this is what we talk about. This is Axe Bread and Butter, is creating safer cultures for people so that they feel valued, they feel that they're heard, they feel they're able to talk about the small things. Because if you talk about the small things, you're going to talk about the bigger things as well and feel that your voice actually makes a difference. So, yeah, we can have we can have all the feedback forms in the world, but people won't fill them in if they don't think they've got a stay the work fill them in honestly as well so they might fill them in according to well I think this is what they want to hear um because of this and I know that's how they are actually if you're open you're transparent and you're open to people you know we're open to feedback here I think that's mm. what really came through as well yeah and as well as that they just um really prioritize safeguarding and well-being you know they, they had 
a good solid team like a welfare team not just one or two individuals who had been given the role of designated welfare officer or lead officer they had a, a team of people that had done lots of training were there to support each other within the team as well um they had mental health what they had mental health champions designated safeguarding officers they had a lead mental health practitioner and they had a lead safeguarding officer plus um people back in the UK to support. So I guess what I'm saying is in terms of safeguarding priorities, it wasn't just saying, oh yeah, they weren't just saying we prioritise safeguarding wellbeing. Yeah. They were actioning it by having all these people in place, by having the information. They had information about who how to contact the welfare team, you know, in all the apartment doors and all the information they'd given out beforehand to the athletes. So when we're talking about living those values, they really were, weren't they? And I think that resourcing of it shows so much more than the, just the saying that Absolutely. we prioritise this. Well, show us how you prioritise it. Well, actually, we're going to resource all these members of staff to do this. Yeah. And everyone knew their role in safeguarding, didn't they? So because everyone does play a role. Everyone, you know, you said about just, are you OK? Asking, are you OK? You know, you've said this, you've done this. That's safeguarding and knowing that actually we all play we all play a role in it. It's not just the safeguarding lead who has to think about it. It's each and every one of us. And it's the athletes. So they do need to know where to go if they've got a concern. And they might have a concern about themselves, but they might have a concern about one of the colleagues, one of the, you know, one of the other team members, one of the coaches, one of the, you know, anything that's on the mind, they need to be able to talk about it, really, don't they? So yeah, I think it. Yeah. Um, the phrase embedding um, safeguarding in an organisation rather than it just be a policy procedure on a shelf. Um, yeah. It really felt like it was brought to life in that team. Um, and it's something that we'd encourage all teams to do is to, you know, start the con- have conversations about the values, the mission, the vision of the organisation, and then think, how does this fit in with safeguarding? So have the conversations about safeguarding and what are our values, you know, how do they all fit together? Um, Not see it separate, everything should link up. Yeah, Um, and I think also what all the work they did and the sort of groundwork, if you like, mm. before going to the Games, in their preparation, in you know they they went through every possible scenario that could have happened beforehand so that they were prepared for when it did because they didn't want things to be affecting the athletes or performance you know they wanted it to run smoothly sort of behind the scenes um and you know they had to use loads of their contingency plans or things that they'd gone through because covid had impacts um variety of reasons but that preparation meant that um it it worked smoothly in terms of the athletes as you know some things did go in the background athletes didn't you know weren't aware of and that was the whole purpose but also that it it stopped anything escalating to be bigger so if you have um processes in place and you have openness for people to come to you with smaller things um it stops them being bigger things and where actually you're going to need to probably put more resources to try and help solve bigger safeguarding concerns or welfare concerns so I think they did that really well um and a big thing that really stuck with me uh, that they both talked about um was having fun didn't they they said you know work hard 
but have fun. Do you know what? If you're in an environment where the focus is people, individuals, welfare and having fun, yeah. you know, it's a great environment to be in really, isn't it? Totally. We all want that, don't we? Yeah. I mean, everyone takes part in their sport um, and also the, the staff members, it's their job, but they want to have fun doing it. And I think that really underpinned what they were talking about as well, which is a great value to have. And it's not one that we'd possibly think about when, you know, we're developing organisational values or missions and, you know, we wouldn't automatically think, let's have some fun. But actually, it's what gets us up in the morning. It's, yeah. It can be what drives us. It can be what bonds us together as a team. Um, yeah. Yeah, fun. and I, I think the outcomes um, were really positive. And I think, like I said, I think they definitely were not going to be complacent. You know, they had a very successful um, games. You know, they have got a good reputation as an organisation generally. Got all this good feedback, but actually they're not being complacent about it. They're still looking at where can we improve, what can we improve, how can we make this better? And I think if we're talking culture and yeah. values you know that's that's a a really good place to be constantly learning constantly you know putting things into place and leading thinking about you know so we're learning from it how we're going to lead this um and definitely penny and claire are leading a safer culture i think in the um, organization yeah and they were empowering others within the team to lead as well so like talked about having advocates in every sort of environment in place so it's not just um penny's values or you know penny's leadership actually it's empowering everyone to be advocates of those that vision and those values in all the environments to and that's how it becomes embedded isn't it which is what year two is going to be focusing on is about how to embed a safer culture um so we look forward to more seminars that we've got coming up uh, later this year as well and into next year haven't we for embedding safer culture yeah yeah so take away for the um listeners what are you doing to embed the safer culture um what are you putting into place how are you making your values are you making mission come to life um because like we started with you probably got it it's probably on your website it's probably um in a document somewhere but how are you living it and that's really how you create a safer culture isn't it by living it yeah living it and thinking about i think penny talked about thinking about what you want to see and hear and feel in your environment and i think just remember that aspect about language how can actually rephrase what you're saying to people or what you have written that you're giving people actually to embed what it is you're trying to achieve yeah brilliant well thanks very much Kimberly it's been great thinking back through to the um seminar hasn't it and look forward to the um next ones in the um program yeah and thanks to um Claire and Penny for for coming to do it as well thank you for listening if you want to know more about our work check out our website, ancrafttrust.org and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ancraft Trust.